Clear that throat. Make it official. Right. I don't want to be like, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of uh, the Post Credits Podcast. Uh, back with me today is Brian Schoff. How you guys doing? I hope everyone's doing well. Uh, I am Matt Pepler, and today we're going to be talking about Escape from New York. Yes. Directed by John Carpenter. Should I beatbox this while you're while you're doing the intro, the, uh, the theme, <laughs> the John Carpenter? <laughs> you know, I got to say, man, it was it was awesome <laughs> seeing him live. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not going along with no. this. Well, I'll, no, I'll screw it up. You're doing a great listening job. to me being an <laughs> asshole right now. That's fine too. We can keep going with that. That'll happen a lot, I'm sure. Um, he played that one live. I mean, I saw the we saw the movie uh, before the show started. I but was he... so goddamn sick that day because I had just had my blood drawn. I had a physical, <laughs> and uh, I, I, I guess I was just low on blood sugar. You were like, hey, I've got these free tickets to see John Carpenter in concert. You want to do this? Of course. The answer, always. Um, And uh, that was at the Masonic Temple in Detroit. Yep. And uh, so I I had, like, I didn't feel good driving, so I gave you my keys. And uh, you weren't comfortable driving such a nicer car than yours. (laughs) Right. (laughs) <laughs> not that my car is that like anything to write home about but uh yeah so like you drove us down there and yeah we we saw the film and then it was escape from new york and then uh dark the place was electric like people loved that movie yeah absolutely it was fun. like the audience just went crazy for like everything and every little beat and it was a really cool audience to see that movie live with and then the lights were down and the credits were off. Black and you just hear do 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 wow and then the lights come up and then there's John Carpenter wearing like the thick ass they live sunglasses dancing and having fun and that was so such an out of body experience. Because you see him in interviews, and he's like Mr. Burns. You know, he's got the liver yeah. spots on his head, and he's just like a grouchy old man. <laughs> but not then. Yeah. He was, like, dancing and having fun, and that was really, really, really cool to see. Yeah, because usually he's kind of a little sour, a little cynical, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he he looked like he was having fun, which was awesome. Yeah, I, I mean, that was probably one of my favorite shows to go to. I'm not one that goes to a lot of concerts, but I did really enjoy that one. Um, yeah. And, it, I mean, it was free. I mean, you can't go well, wrong. You just, you know, usually free. Con- I mean, the last free concert I got you to come with me to was uh, 
Blue Oyster Cult and Fog Hat. Oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> back when uh, Big Boys was giving out free tickets to um, Freedom Hill. Yeah. Back when that restaurant roamed the earth. Oh my God! That I just remembered that that was the same time. It was you and our mutual friend Dan. We had to get gas, and for some reason, I had it in my mind that you guys paid for gas. And then we just got back into my truck and then we took off and there was like someone chasing us, like coming out of the gas station, like, ah, you know, and I was like, what's up with that guy? You know, and then, theft you know, of gasoline we it. is technically a felony. So you're, you're, yeah. you're admitting to a felony right now. Well, is there a statute of limitations? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was on a credit card and it was all closed out and you're just imagining yes. this. Completely. Uh, because Complete I, I don't, I don't remember any high speed chase, but I do remember you freaking the f out about <laughs> that. does feeling bad make you innocent <laughs> I, don't know. I i don't know i think they call that remorse in a court of law okay, okay. um that's that's as far as my as your lawyer that's as far as i can advise you on okay. <laughs> but uh yeah back to john carpenter that concert was cool they played a lot of really neat um songs with uh so his band is his nephew cody carpenter i thought that was his son okay i thought cody carpenter was his son well you you might have you might have to fact check this i i'm pretty sure he hangs out with his nephew because they they play um like borderlands and you know basically instead of making films he he's like you know i in interviews, John Carpenter's like, yeah, you know, I, I just want to play video games and uh, smoke pot with my nephew. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, good on you, man. But uh, so but the two of them, you know, on top of being in his traveling band, uh, they also collaborated on the new music for Halloween, the, the new the newest Halloween. They film. did. Yeah. And that was not only cool to see just from a legacy perspective, but they really did something that a lot of people like Alan Holworth and um, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on the gentleman who did uh, Halloween 7 and 8 haven't really been able to do, which is take the classic stuff and kind of modernize it a bit. Yeah, I mean, the the other uh, music seems to just be um, almost just like rip-offs. It doesn't seem authentic. Um, sorry, I was trying to find... I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm at a loss uh, with... Yeah, with who Cody Carpenter is, whether or not is uh, his nephew or son oh so. perfect beautiful i've derailed the whole thing we're, we're only eight <laughs> minutes into this perfect this is going to be a great one i can already tell um so while you look that up well i, I no, i'm not i'm not because i'll just be like well why can't i find i'll just get annoyed because it's like it seems like it'd be something easy to find and then i can't find it and then i'll just be like fixated on the fact that google sucks and I can't find what I'm looking for. <laughs> it's not though. Like he's like like if there is a Cody Carpenter, if that is your real name, he's just on the dark web. <laughs> right. <laughs> like it's well, it's like 
he's part of like John Carpenter's live performance, but I couldn't find exact information on what his relation to is other than okay. being a family member, okay. you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, gotcha. That's all. Okay. Well, this movie was released in 1981, which my memory always makes me feel like this movie came out before the thing, but this was one year prior mm-hmm. to uh, the thing. And I always think like he, uh, Kurt Russell looks older in this one than he does in the thing. But so but, it was, I, but it was after the fog. It was after the fog, yeah. So originally after Halloween, John Carpenter and Deborah Hill got a two-picture deal, and um, the first one was the fog, and then the second one was actually going to be the Philadelphia Experiment, uh, directed by John Carpenter, but instead he kind of. Uh, uh, he left the project because they, he couldn't see eye to eye on the third act. So he just kind of pieced out. But he had um, this script for Escape from New York already ready. So the uh, production company, I don't remember who produced it, uh, but they were perfectly fine with John Carpenter jumping ship on that project to move forward with this one since uh, the script was already complete and ready to go. Yeah, just just give our give us our films, make our deal. Right. Now, right. Did, did Nick Castle co-write this? He didn't co-write it, uh, but he did come up. I mean, I guess you could say he co-wrote it, uh, but primarily he uh, created the um, uh, character Cabby, played by Ernest Bor- Borgnine, and then also uh, created the ending of the movie. So I guess pretty substantial. If you want to say like, yeah, he co-wrote it. I mean, those are pretty substantial things for to create and flesh out a character as well as, you know, come up with the ending of the movie. Well, I don't know if I would call Cabby a major character. I mean, no, but- he, he had a lot of screen time, but his presence was... Well, I mean, it's kind of interesting that like he's a he's a, a cab driver because he literally does drive the movie forward, literally by getting actors from one place to the next to get the story continuing. You know, uh, so okay. you know, yeah, that's a bad pun, but it's true. You know, mm-hmm. uh, um, and. Uh, but but I bring up Nick Castle because of the the John Carpenter connection with Michael Myers and Nick Castle was the legit Michael Myers. Yep, he was the shape. Yes, uh, it's it, I always find it really interesting when directors keep uh, having the same actors just in different capacities in their movies. You know, Quentin Tarantino does it a lot, and so does Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Uh, and uh, interestingly enough, I didn't realize this until today that uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is in this movie. She uh, plays the voice of the computer uh, in um, like the opening scenes when they're still uh, in like the police department area. Right, right. So that that's interesting because I I thought for a minute when, when I was rewatching this that she was the lady Pliskin mate meets in. Um, oh God, what is that restaurant that's totally bombed out and then? The uh, the others just come up through the floor. Oh, it's called like um, something nuts. Uh, 
full of nuts or something like that. Some, something like that, yeah. <laughs> and she's even credited as like woman in a whole lot of nuts or you know yeah. whatever that yeah. bullshit was. But like I was watching it with a real hard eye, and I I couldn't quite see because you know I was watching it on DVD. Um, you know, but it's like <laughs> that could be the hair or not, and I don't know. I I just couldn't make it out, but. The, the voice was what kind of settled on, on that. So she was um, the voice in, in the opening, you're saying, with uh, with with Haddonfield's finest, Charles Cyphers. And, yes, that's and correct. Night of the Creeps, Tom Atkins. And, yes, and Lee Van Cleef. Lee yep. Van Cleef. So everybody who was a G-Man was a cop in a previous film. <laughs> right that's true so that's really true you know i like to i like to think that um at the end of the film when snake gets out out, you know rips up the tape and he's walking off that lee van cleave or i'm not i'm sorry um charles cyphers just looks over at lee van cleave and he's like you let him out (laughs) uh did you know that there's a whole sequence filmed before um, <clears throat> the uh, police headquarters sequence? Legend like when ha- the yeah, legend has it that's the uh, bank robbery. Yeah, there's actually you can find it on the YouTube's uh, the oh, oh, uh, like a rough that, cut that's on the Google Foo. Yeah, yep, okay. <laughs> yeah. You can check out. It's not very good. Uh, and uh, screen uh, audience testing, they did some screen testing for it, and people were confused. Like it was kind of disjointed with the rest of the movie leading up to it, so they uh, Carpenter just ripped it out and had a new beginning to it. Because yeah. it's really there's really no ex- explanation as to why Snake Plissken is captured and is a prisoner now. You know, other than that he's just there. You know, but it's is it one of those things that's necessary? No, I don't think so. In you know? the context of this film, it it, it really is not. Because like John Wick, it's one of those movies where they kind of reverse world build where the characters know so much more about the hero than right. you ever do. You know, because Cabby right there, he's like, oh, my gosh, golly gee willikers, that's Snake. <laughs> We're with Snake now. Right. You know, and then uh, they go and meet with Adrian Barbobot and uh brain <laughs> and you know they're like holy holy crow it's snake i thought you were dead right uh it's almost like everyone he meets right pretty much yeah you're snake pliskin you know it's no you're not you know and yes he is uh yeah i mean it's really true do you like that in movies where it's uh I mean, we went over this with John Wick, where it's like the characters know more about, and like you said with this, the characters know more about Snake Plissken or John Wick than we will ever know. It's, I don't know. I tend to like that because it leaves it open ended, where you could create more story around that character if you well, went and it's, expanded the universe. It's just a different device because okay. you know, like to do that in the wrong way. Um, did you watch the um, the Star Wars Clone Wars series? No, I no, I haven't. Because in that series, Anakin takes on a Padawan, and her name is Ahsoka, and she's so good and so important at everything, without earning it, that 
in writing that, you know, that's called a Mary Sue. You know, it, it's a character who is important because you're told they're important. And there's a real fine line with that. And I think Escape from New, New York does it well. And I think John Wick did it well, um, you know, without overdoing it, because they don't belabor that to the point where every time someone comes on screen, it's, wow, look at this exciting new character. You know, right. Be, right. Because that's the point where you start to be like, hey, wait a minute, movie, you know, <laughs> you're <laughs> you're pulling some crap now. Um, but I it's I don't want to see that all the time. It's kind of a shortcut to that level, but it works in certain instances. And, and I think this is an instance that it works. Uh, I would agree with that. For sure. Um, you know what's really interesting? Tommy Lee Jones and Chuck Norris were up for this role as before Snake? Kurt Russell. Yeah. I Snake. mean, Pliskin? Yeah, Pliskin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they were up for it, and John Carpenter had to fight the studios against it. Um, so, and Tommy Lee Jones that? and who? Uh, Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris? Oh my god. <laughs> no, that wouldn't have worked at all. No, neither imagine? one of them would have really worked. Actually, uh, you know what? Chuck Norris probably could have done it. But but it, it would have had, know, it man. would have had to have been like two thousands Chuck Norris when he knew he was Chuck Norris. And right. and someone would say, uh, hey Snake, call me Pliskin, you know. Right. Like, like that level of derisive just playing it off. So you don't want the Chuck Norris with the shoulder hair fighting Bruce Lee. You want the I don't uh, think... Chuck Norris that can count to infinity twice. No, I, I don't think that Cobra Chuck Norris could have pulled it off. <laughs> Wait, um, no, Cobra. That was uh, Stallone. Um, oh, God. You're talking about like um, Invasion USA or Delta Force? Invasion USA. Yep. Yep. Because <laughs> that was the one where he fought Rucker Hauer, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's the one I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Invasion USA Chuck Norris could not have pulled that off. But uh early 2000s post Mountain Dew commercial Chuck Norris <laughs> could have done it. <laughs> Nailed it. Drove it home. <laughs> um and uh the reason why uh he uh the studio didn't want um uh Kurt Russell is that he was too well known as um like a kind of like cutesy childhood actor i guess um he was in some like kind of just like pg almost like disney type stuff and so he was well known for that and uh the studio didn't think that he would it would almost be like a deterrent to inadvertently make the movie unpopular but uh you know he played elvis kurt russell played elvis in an earlier john carpenter movie called elvis it was a biopic he's got to have some of that in his gene pool because what's that elvis just a little bit of elvis in there because i i can totally see it there's a great coffee table photo book i have by uh oh uh, kim gottlieb and and she was carpenter's set photographer um halloween through escape from new york okay i i don't think she she worked on the thing but it was like five movies. So Halloween, The Fog, 
um, I don't know, something in the middle and then Escape from New York. And there's a great photo and and you could kind of tell that they were becoming friends just, you know, reading between the lines. Because there's a photo of Kurt Russell on the set of The Fog dressed like a cowboy just <laughs> you know Jamie Lee Curtis is right there he's dying like you know like one of those old Virginia Slims ads where someone just said something fucking impossibly funny and everyone's just cutting up and it, it's a wonderful photograph um but that was the previous film so you, you could kind of tell that like you know, f f through whatever circles they were becoming friends. And, and that, in my mind, when you say that, is probably why Carpenter was like, you know what, we need to we need to bring this Kurt Russell guy in here and fight for him a little bit because, uh, you know, he knew that because they were friends, they could work together. And then, you know, th there was a relationship happening. Oh, yeah. Um, the 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 commentary track on the or not the fog, the thing you can because uh, it's him and John Carpenter. And it's just those two doing the co uh, the commentary, and you can tell they've been friends for a long time. And this car, uh, this commentary was later, maybe like mid two thousands, I think, the one that I listened to. So it's pretty cool to hear them just talk about the movie that they made together, not just like, "Oh, I haven't seen you in a while. How have you been?" Is you that know? the the Shout Factory release? Or yeah. What, okay. Yep, the All Shout right. Factory one. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the commentary track was on the DVD version of the thing, like right when it came out, when I had like the first making of documentary that was really good. So I'm not sure how old that commentary track is, but it is on the shop factory one for sure. And the same commentary track. Okay. So, um, and another interesting thing, Kurt Russell reprised his role as Elvis and Forrest Gump. <laughs> what? Wow. <laughs> yeah. For, uh, uh, you don't even see his face, you know, because it's like the it's Forrest Gump's like memory, his perspective of the memory. Right. But you, it, it's his voice and his body. But you don't see you don't ever see his face. You know, I just yeah. thought that was an interesting little tidbit. Yeah, no, that's but, cool. um, dude, I love this movie. Uh, it's I, I mean, I guess I love it now. I didn't have much appreciation for it when I originally saw it. God knows how long ago a long time ago but it's it's become one of those movies that's grown on me and i like it more and more that i see it um i especially like um uh isaac hayes as the duke i think he plays a really good villain and his like constant eye twitch of anger makes me laugh <laughs> you know where it's like frustration and anger just building up and his eye keeps twitching right you know um and then i thought um it was it was good to see uh, um, uh, Donald Pleasance in a character that's kind of despicable. You know, you know not, I, he, Donald he was, Donald Pleasance is usually very watchable. Like even in trashy films, like he's usually very watchable. And I, I saw again recently, "You Only Live Twice," where like he's the OG Blofeld. Mm -hmm. And I was really let down, not only because the special effects in that movie are really shitty, but <laughs> but because Donald Pleasance just felt like 
bored and subdued. And he was kind of well known. I mean, maybe it was later in his career, but he was kind of well known for drinking on set. So I wonder if like they didn't allow that on on that one. And uh, but but it was a real letdown because it's like, oh, man, you know, this movie isn't as good as I remember. But Donald Pleasance, he's going to pull that out of there because he's always fun. And he wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he was cool in this. I I mean, you say he was despicable, but, you know, I I thought he was having fun. Um, He's. He's probably the toughest guy in that whole movie. Like, he's an actual war hero. Like, he fought in World War II and, you know, went on raids and shot Nazis and all that stuff. And, you know, they're, like, putting wigs on him and lipstick and (laughs) making him out to be this, you know, piece of shit. And uh, I I, I just thought he was having fun with that. But, you know, maybe that was because uh, he didn't have a ton to do in there. So I, I don't for me, he's despicable because of his dismissal of the people that died to get him out right at the end. Well, right, right. Do, do you, you know? Do you th- now that we're jumping way ahead into this? Do you right. think there was any version of anything he could have said where Snake didn't wind up tearing up that tape? I don't. Uh yeah. I mean, I, I think I there don't. could have been. No. No, I I think he was always going to do that because he was kind of an anarchist. That's true. I mean, I, yes and no. I mean, I think there could have been something to to dispute, diffuse it because he you can tell like he care like he doesn't care about a lot of things, but he cared about uh, Maggie, you know, when <laughs> we're going backwards from the back or from the ending uh, when she have gets we killed. Started, technically, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can. <laughs> I'll just get through this and then we can go into the beginning, I guess. If you're listening to this, you've seen this movie. I mean, it's 30 years old. For sure. For God's sakes. Yeah, spoiler alert. Like, right. if you need it. You know? Hot take. Uh, but he doesn't want Matt or Maggie to stay on the bridge. And you can tell that he really cares about her, you know? So I think, like, he isn't always cynical and an anarchist, you know? Like, he wants things to have like a good ending but his he's kind of a reactionist as well right so like because of the dismissal of the president donald pleasance uh it solidified like well you know fuck it you know let's let's just bring on the end you know uh maybe it could have been different i don't know uh it's 50 50 i guess um, but, um, so I guess you want to jump to the beginning of the movie now? <laughs> <laughs> Better late than never. Um, you know, what, what was cool was, uh, like those holograms, like their, their computer effects were so like, oh my God, this is like the 1980s to the extreme. And what's really neat about those is that they were, um, black models that that they put like electrical tape on and then filmed them under a black light to make like the phony polygon computer effects 
That's really cool. Which looks super primitive now, but it looks so good there as like, uh, holy shit, this is like the height of technology in the 80s. Right. Yeah, it's the most advanced thing that anyone's ever seen. And it's, um, you know, now it does look like eh, it's, a, it's an OK effect. But to now you can have an appreciation for this being 1981 and how advanced it looked. You know, it's a 39 year old movie. You know, it's still right. so it came it's out. It's not too it, far. It, it came out in 81. But what year did was the movie supposed to take place in? Oh, I don't I don't know. I don't know the exact. It was it in the future from then. It was. Yeah, it totally was. Oh, OK. Well, do you know the date or are you just are you asking me if I know? I was Cause asking I you because I was hoping you'd uh, you'd save us from from this here. So it was 1997. It was the mind-blowingly distant future of 1997. The same year that Predator 2 took place. Um, I would say that... has shot up 500%. <laughs> I think Predator 2 did a better job of the distant future of 97. In, in that it wasn't really did. a future... It's, right, it's right. really neat too to see like him land on the World Trade Center, and it always kind of gets me a little bit, um, just because there's been so much revisionist history made of removing mm-hmm. that after nine eleven. Removing the, you know, um, yeah, it happened in. So, didn't it happen in Spider Man Two? Like, or the first Spider-Man no, or no, something? No, 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 there, there was the original Spider-Man. There there was a trailer where he, you didn't see Spider-Man, but, like, there was a helicopter of bank, there was, like, a whole bank heist. And then they got webbed up between the two towers. Oh, that's right. And then they, they pulled that from theaters after that happened, because that film hadn't come out. And I, I think they digitally removed it from the New York skyline. And uh, I just I I'm not making a point. I don't know how I feel about it one way or the other, but it always kind of strikes me as like, wow, you know, we really did take the future for granted because, you know, George Bush never became president. The Iraq war never happened. 9-11 never happened, you know, and and this is like the future. Right. Uh, I mean, it's, I feel the same way whenever I see it in older movies where it's like, oh, wow, you know, uh, it's, it's not jarring, but it's, it's always kind of, it's, you know, an instant memory, you know, because it's like, that's not there anymore. But, uh, um, why does their future look so much better than the running man? Because like in the running man, it's also like a near distant future, but it looks so cheap where it's like they're just in an abandoned warehouse and they just threw garbage uh, on the floor. It's probably because the budget for Running Man was mostly cocaine, you know, okay. uh, I, you know, like, are, are there facts on that? You know this for a fact? No, no, this is I mean, I just make up stuff and it's unsubstantiated. Oh, OK, OK. You no, know, so but I'm just totally I'm just true. saying like, okay. yes, uh, I don't know, like. Yeah, the Running Man just looks. I mean, it's so darkly lit that it could have been shot anywhere. You know, uh, it's it's such a boring movie to look at. Um, it, it was the template for every laser tag venue to 
<laughs> come afterwards. Um, James Cameron also uh, was uh, a, cr- a part of the crew in this movie. Did you know that? Art department? Little, yeah. The guy who brought us Dances with Wolves in Space made the uh, city skylines. He was the matte painter. Okay. So, right. um, and then uh, here's another thing. So we're going to be uh, screw it. We're just going to be jumping around all over the place with this with this discussion. This was filmed in East St. Louis because of its seedy and dilapidated buildings caused by fires in 1976. And uh, for the climax of this movie, they use the old chain of rocks bridge uh, to double as the 69th Street Bridge. Now, the city East St. Louis did not want to be held liable for anything that possibly could happen while shooting while sure. shooting the, this end sequence. Yeah. So they sold it to the filmmakers <laughs> for a dollar. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> and then uh, you're going to blow the... a car in half. <laughs> yeah. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. And so, and then the uh, filmmakers then, once they were done and shooting rap, the filmmakers sold the bridge back to the city for the same price. Perfect. You, <laughs> you so, clean it up now. It's so awesome. We're going to blow stuff up on this dilapidated bridge. That's your bridge now. now. Hey, number yeah. one. <laughs> um, oh, and also this was uh, Escape from New York was the first movie in history to be shot on liberty island at night and you know, um I, I thought that their phony not liberty island because it, it was like they had some weird acronym for whatever their government agency was i thought right. that looked like liberty island yeah it I, really was i always you really assumed shot that it was liberty island but in the context of the film it wasn't but you're saying it actually was. That's kind yep. of a mind fuck right there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, but they had problems um, getting permits. Because uh, three months earlier on June 3rd, before they started filming, a uh, time bomb delay detonated at the base of the Statue of Liberty. The FBI suspects Croatian <laughs> nationalists advocating Croatian independence from Yugoslavia. No one was injured. But the National Park Service increased their security measures greatly. Take that, I mean, of the gray lady. <laughs> right. What about uh, that says Croatian national freedom? Yeah, you really I have don't to wonder know. the mindset of you know some of these so-called terrorists or freedom fighters right. there. Because it's like, you know, for all the effort you put into this, was there a better way to make your point? Maybe. Right, than not destroying a statue. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wow, that's weird. Yeah. On um, an island that's practically uninhabited. Wow. Yep. <laughs> wow. Crime really did increase by 500% then. <laughs> right. I mean, that, that's like... was a dangerous year. Uh, I read the I, I read the thing that they had problems getting permits, and I was like, "Why? Oh, a bombing!" <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. Uh, I almost went down a rabbit hole, and I was like, "Well, geez, how many times has New York been bombed?" You know, <laughs> like, 
Uh, but I stopped. I thought it would be too much. Uh, I didn't want really want to know about it right now. That sounds awful, but whatever. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I love that gigantic phone that Lee Van Cleef like picks up where he's like, they're on the bridge calling whoever, you know, and, and it's like the size of a rocket launcher. <laughs> but it's but it's just like primitive like 80s satellite phone yeah it's dude i a guilty pleasure of mine is seeing what types of phones actors are using throughout history that are cell phones because it's just like it because i'm i'm still i still think like a smartphone is relatively recent right you know as far as like technology goes but then you look at, you know, I watched uh, Raising Cane last night for the first time, and they had cell phones in that. And it was like, man, when was this made? And it was like mid-90s, you know. Um, but it's just, it's crazy to think that, yeah, a movie that's, you know, 25, 30 years old is still has some sort of primitive cell phone. But then you go back just a little bit more, and it's like, now we got to talk into a refrigerator to get reception. Yeah, pretty you much. Know? Um, but, uh, what, so what, I guess what was the deal with that SWAT guy? Cause there was that weird scene that wasn't really connected to the film, but it kind of was where a bunch of like, like a helicopter lands and there's all these guys kind of like pumping fists in the air and then like a SWAT team gets out of the helicopter and like one of the guys trips and falls I don't remember this. It was one of the few scenes that was actually in daylight. Okay. Tristan Falls. I, I don't remember this. Like the he, only time I mean, he gets off the helicopter and just instantly <laughs> he's on the ground. You know, like that could have just been one of those things where they might not have noticed it at the time or, um, uh, you know, or just like, I don't want to reshoot it. We'll just move on. Because there's a, a sequence like that that happens in Day of the Dead where there's a bunch of the zombies on the elevator. And I'm pretty sure one of the zombies definitely thinks the elevator is done. Like, and it's like a, a, a shipping elevator. It's like, you know, this huge thing, not just like a, a personal elevator. You know, it's, it's for like um, shipping containers or whatever. But he definitely falls a good four feet on the ground and then, like, yeah. picks himself up. Well, and then by the time he picks himself up, all the zombies are actually coming off the thing. Yeah. But he definitely, like, missed a cue or something. That you know, guy, I wonder that, if it's something similar to that. No, like, that guy knew what he was doing. He planned that. Because there, there's a, a great behind-the-scenes book called The Many Days of Making the Dead, Day of the Dead, or The Many Days of Day of the Dead. Um, okay. And, I just uh, assumed, like... That guy fell. Right? No, like, he 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 planned that where he's just like, this is my moment to stand out from five hundred thousand people. <laughs> so when I say, oh, I'm the guy that fell off the elevator, people will be like, oh yeah, I know that. Um, you you got to be careful when you're wrangling extras because that kind of thing will happen where someone will do something a little bit too goofy, and, right? You know, it might may it may or may not make the scene this totally was not that though this guy 
fucking fell. Like he got off the helicopter, his backpack was too heavy, he twist he rolled his ankle, something <laughs> happened. And then he's just like down in the ground and just like gets up and he's like, Thank God nobody saw that. Um uh, so um when they uh Lee Van Cleef and his first group enter the uh New York to um save the president, they find the president's missing and then they come across like a creepy guy. You know, that's uh, ends up being like one of the Duke's, you know, right hand men or whatever, posse yeah, leaders, whatever. Yeah. He's got like the you know, three foot tall Goku haircut. Yeah. What, okay, what is to me, his name? What is that? Guy's I don't know name? his name. I don't know his name. But to me, he's he always I always think of Steve Buscemi when I see him. Okay. Right. Like it looks like him to me. And it's just funny to me that Steve Buscemi is actually in the sequel. <laughs> You know, like here's a guy that almost looks exactly like him, kind of the same height, same build, but it's not him. And then, you know, Steve is actually in the sequel. Uh, I don't know. I just thought that was kind of entertaining uh, what, from my perspective. The, uh, the Surgeon General or something? Uh, no, I think. No, I no. Who was the Surgeon General? Only, in that? It's been, see, it's it been ages. It's been ages since I've seen Escape from L.A. Well, um, it, it's miserable, so no one would forget I mean, that. Bruce Campbell? Was that him? Yes. Yep. Okay. That who, that's who the uh, Surgeon General was the Bruce. Um, in that one. Yeah. I, I don't have an interest in seeing that, even though, like, Shout Factory has, a, you know, a fancy special edition coming out of it soon. But I don't know. It just doesn't interest me. I didn't think it was that good. Surfing Snake didn't really do it for me either. Um, and it looks so bad. <laughs> it does look really bad. Um, I thought Pierce Brosnan looked bad and died another day surfing. But oh, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and then Johnny Cash. As the Is he the president in that one? I don't know. Eh, who cares? Um, yeah, who cares? So back to that guy <laughs> with the three foot tall blonde haircut. He's really interesting. Like he makes these bizarre, like theatrical gestures every time he's on screen. But he doesn't he doesn't really have any lines after that opening s- scene because he kind of like uh, comes yeah. in and then tells him off and then <laughs> that's it. And then every time else that he comes in, he just kind of like grifts his way <laughs> onto camera and does this like bizarre gesture. He, you know, the next really time I, looking. yeah, the next time I remember him saying anything was when um, Brain, uh, Harry Dean Stanton, and Adrian Barbeau, Barbeau's character Maggie, are actually like near the president, going to kind of like rescue him, you know, and he says, "Brain, I don't know if you're allowed in here," <laughs> and gets yeah, knifed in the stomach. <laughs> Shut your mouth, you know, right. get the hell out of here. Uh, that's the only time I uh, any other speaking line that I remember him having. Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of, to like about this movie. Um, but it it I don't know, like going. It does seem like a little tame compared to like other movies now. You know, it's kind of weird. It's not that it's lost its magic for me, but um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know how to really articulate how I feel about uh, Escape from New York. I do like it a lot, but I don't know. Maybe it's like the old school technology. I don't know. Because it's like I just watched Aliens again, and that's, you know, four years after this movie, or five years after this movie came out. 
And that movie seems so much more advanced than this one. Well, you know, it, and it, it just could be. also had 100 times the budget. <laughs> right, right. They, they did a good yeah. job, I think, making New York look scary and like, like a place you didn't want to be. And, you know, kind of doing a little bit of mystery building, even though it's definitely on the cheap, but it's not so cheap where you're like, oh, my God, like, you know, I could do this after school shuts down for the day and right, know, just throw trash around the hallways and call it the future. But, you know, they do kind of take a, a page from the book of Blade Runner where like like the guns have scopes on shit that should not have scopes at all, <laughs> you know, cause like oh. snakes running around and his signature gun is a Mac 10 with a silencer that has a scope on it. In what universe would you need an automatic <laughs> weapon? That's like Listen. a one handed automatic weapon, short range that has a scope on it, but all the pistols have scopes on them. Yes, but like, listen, man. Everything does. It's like, who cares? Just bling it out. Doesn't matter. It's the future. Just go nuts. We're, we're going to so, do that. This is something funny that I used to do in uh, when I used to play uh, Modern Warfare 2 all the time is you could actually put scopes on um, SMGs. And they had a, a SMG similar to the one that Snake had. So I would put a scope on the Uzi <laughs> and run around with that. Cause it's so stupid. I mean, like a SMG is like, you know, close quarters type thing right. or closer. And, uh, it's just amazing to try to, you know, aim down sights with that weapon because it zooms in like 10 times immediately. As soon as you pull it up to like, look through it, you know, like this is pointless, but I just thought it was, it was a funny thing. Cause a weapon like that, you're right. Does not, it does not need a scope on it. Also, I was looking closely no, at nor do revolvers that, that Adrian <laughs> no. Barbeau is firing a revolver with a scope <laughs> on it at the Duke of Detroit, Kwame Kilpatrick. I mean, um, <laughs> right uh, isaac hayes <laughs> isaac hayes yeah Mommy Kilpatrick. He, he's he's not driving an escalade he's driving whatever that car with the chandelier on the hood <laughs> yeah that, that could have been right. the threequel escape from detroit you know <laughs> right but uh, uh yeah but she's firing uh, and she's not even looking down the scope it's just it's like well whatever it's a gun that, that's not futuristic <laughs> that's just dumb Blade Runner. Yeah, that's it. true. Blade Runner did the same thing, but you know, at least they kind of gussied it up a bit and put, um, yeah, you know, like like a a pump action on a pistol, because because Deckard's gun has like a shotgun slide on there. It serves no <laughs> pragmatic know. purpose whatsoever. But you know, gosh darn it, it sure is iconic. <laughs> yeah, it looks cool. You know, yeah. sometimes that's all you need. That's it. But the weird thing about the the scope on Snake's gun is that half of it is resting on the silencer, right? Right. Wouldn't that, like, screw up with trajectory? Because, like, silencers aren't, like, weight-bearing, are they? Or they're not supposed to be. I didn't think so. Scopes no. can be pretty heavy, depending on how big they are. Silencers actually reduce muzzle <laughs> velocity. So, if, if, anything, uh, if anything, that bullet wouldn't travel as far... <laughs> so 
you're seeing further for a bullet that's not even going to hit the target. Right. You know, uh, maybe it's scoped out for that. We don't know. Talk oh, about man. nonsense. Dude, okay. I got to talk about the Duke's car in this one, right? Ain't it, it's got ain't, a disco, one. a normal sized disco ball hanging from his rear view mirror, right? And chandeliers above the headlights. It's just amazing to me. Like right. that, that's Run, so running stupid. around wearing his Sergeant Pepper u- uniform <laughs> with a cowboy hat. Yeah. Like what's the what's the name of the cowboy hat with the flare up on one side? It's almost like an Australian type of flare, right? Like I I don't, I don't know. know. It's like you hit his, okay. his hat is no shark's fin, <laughs> sir. I I can tell you that. Oh, okay. Yeah, speaking of with it. Speaking of that, real quick. I thought it was uh, head is like a shark's fin. Nope. It's nope. hat. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I'm correct. Yes. You know, but we can't go back to the future or back in time and then whatever, whatever. But yeah, uh, uh, as soon as I saw the music video, I was like, wow, I've been saying that wrong the whole episode. Thanks, Brian. Could have corrected me on that. <laughs> I thought it was head is like a shark's fin. Hat doesn't even make much sense to me. My hat is like a shark's fin. Oh, whatever. Neither makes sense. Really? No, it, it no, no, it doesn't. But, uh, um, but the Duke's, yeah, we've been the all Duke's hat is no shark's fin. No, no, it's, no, it's <laughs> not. Oh, continue. Jesus. Continue. Uh, well, I was just going to say, we've been all... yeah, you, we you were criticizing his wardrobe and, and his Sergeant Pepper outfit. Yeah, it's just, I and mean, chandeliers and disco balls. Like, it, <laughs> just the, okay, the disco ball, fine. I get it because it's Isaac Hayes, you know. Uh, but, like, I, I don't I, explain it to me. <laughs> because of his, like, you know, his. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting set up for something. No, but I, his, I, I legitimately don't know what what well, is the disco like, ball um, have to do with Shaft. His Shaft song, okay. you know, it's kind of like in that air, era that a, of disco like balls. A, okay, so that was a disco hit. So that's where you're going with that. Oh, huge! Okay, All you right. never heard the song Shaft by no, Isaac Hayes? No, I did, but you know, I wasn't on the disco scene, so I didn't know that like that was a a thing. But you know, I I can see it. Okay, go ahead. Um play through i mean i i guess i can just say like the disco ball to me seems as silly as it is it seems logical because it's isaac hayes but the chandeliers above the headlights is so so bizarre and funny when they're on like the bridge weaving in and out of cars right because they're Mm -hmm. just like bouncing all over the place (laughs) it's like whose idea was that to put the chandeliers there you know, um, well, and wouldn't and, that reflect the light just like back at you or if like another car oh, was driving yeah. at you, you know, especially like, at night. <laughs> here's 5000 lens flares right through your windshield. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess they don't have to. He's probably the only person besides cabbie to own a car because nobody else seemed to be able to drive anywhere. Right. Yeah, there's only those two cars of everything, you know. In all of Manhattan. Um, oh, the other reason why I thought that, like, the president was uh, 
kind of despicable, right? You know, is that at the climax, you know, like Snake is trying to get out and over, up over the wall so he can get his neck uh, zapped with the x-rays so he doesn't die because that was like Lee Van Cleef's insurance that Snake would do what he was asked to do was to put like um, yeah. little detonators in his uh, arteries so that if he didn't come back, you know, like he would just be murdering Snake, you know? Right. And then uh, the president stops the winch and then like Snake is just dangling there. He didn't even need to stop it at all. You know, he could have just killed the Duke without having to yeah, stop th- Snake. That didn't make you know? any sense to me either. I, I have that in my notes. Like, why did he stop the winch to make him <laughs> sweat? Right. For no reason. <laughs> you know, like right. he could have he could have just carried on and and shot the Duke. Same, same. Yeah. You know, it's just like, oh, shit, take that snake who's helped me this whole time. you're gonna sweat there while i shoot this guy so now he's like running out of time could have gotten like sprayed and machine gunned by the duke because he was just hanging there and he's got like what 30 seconds before his head explodes he's got to get to the x-rays you know uh yeah i just though that and like the not caring about the people that died it's like it's a dick but kind of like a politician anyways, you know, a lot of politicians don't give a, a shit on a lot of issues, you know, so I, I like how he I mean, I guess it's fitting initially, like he's got that red egg. Didn't Dr. Evil escape in um, like, like a silver egg? Like, wasn't that basically so. the same thing? Because that like there's yeah. no James Bond movie that does that. Um, I, I, I saw that and was like, oh my God, like, is that where they got that from? Because he was Blofeld and he just like escaped right. in this egg pod. And then they <laughs> took that and like, you know, Portman to that into like a Dr. Evil thing. <laughs> right. The, yeah, the egg thing was weird. Uh, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't understand like why they would, I guess I, <sighs> Like, why they would have to drop him over the city there, you know, like, because obviously they knew they were getting hijacked. Like, why not do it sooner? But I don't know. That's in the script. I guess it had to be shot like that. Or fly <laughs> no around the island. Like, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. In, instead of over this military war zone. Right. <laughs> let's, yeah. let's let's take the long way around, you know. Because right. that's not going to get him to the Russia summit any quicker. No. No. So, okay, question uh, that I'm confused about. So by Snake destroying that tape, is that like the beginning of a new world war? Because like, it was like a part of a peace treaty or something? I don't know. I, I was thinking about that, too, and it's like, what? was on that tape that could have been so profound they couldn't have put it on a teleprompter for the president to read, you know, because it's like, we're going to have this moment of peace between our great nations, and here's this bullshit tape that Cavi <laughs> was listening to. <laughs> you know, like, what was, what was said on that tape that couldn't have just been 
put on a teleprompter and, and had to have been put on a tape, you know, but, but that's, I, I guess, I don't know, like the, maybe they're trying to do kind of like Pulp Fiction where you don't know it's in the briefcase and that makes it more interesting or something. Right. Yeah. But he did, he did play it a little bit in the, in Cabby's car and it mentioned that like something nuclear or plutonium or something. So I don't know, maybe it was like a, my guess, maybe it was like an energy type thing, like uh, renewable energy. I don't know. Again, but why couldn't this have been put on a teleprompter? For sure. <laughs> it had for to sure. have been pre, it was so perfect that it was pre-recorded and uh, just dialed up and then Phil Spector did his audio engineering bullshit to it and uh, <laughs> just right. made it perfect. That it's like, there it is world peace on a tape. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, but, that's a little bizarre, but I, I guess they didn't have like mini disc or CDs because that was kind of a big thing. Like later on in, in the nineties where, you know, like mission impossible where it's like, Oh, we got to get the knock list. And it's just like some garbage on a CD. Right. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you see the advancements. Like, a few years later, it'd be like a zip disk drive. Right, you know? right. Yeah. <laughs> Today, it'd be a thumb drive or... <laughs> right. You know. Dropbox password. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, it's, the, it, it's the Steam launcher, the, the Epic's game store or something. Yeah, pretty much. got to get into his gamer tag. The whole life as we know it depends on it. Why the fuck has got my Skype account? Shut <laughs> It's going down. It's posted on my Instagram. Oh, man. <laughs> you just got right. Trump's Twitter. That's, that's how that uh, happens. All right. Okay, good. I'm glad we dissected that and figured that out. Uh, so, good old John Carpenter sued a different company, a different movie called Lockout. Uh, because of uh, the story being too similar to Escape from New York. And I think this sets a precedent in a weird way. Uh, John Carpenter won. Um, so the movie was called Lockout, and it had uh, Guy Pierce in it. And it's pretty much the same. You know, um, the characters are the same, the same type of scenario where... You know, instead of Snake Plissken, it's Guy Pierce's character who has to fly into um, a prison. But this time the prison is in space to save the president's daughter um, only to uh, keep or destroy confidential information once the the story is done. And, uh, yeah, he ended up winning. It kind of sets a weird precedent for what is considered like copyright infringement, you know, uh, because so many stories get ripped off, you know, all the time, right? Mm. You know, uh, there's parallels to so many movies. And uh, I guess, like, why haven't other people sued other kind of derivative works uh, more? You know, I guess, like, John, John Carpenter <laughs> is feisty enough to go and do it, <laughs> right? Um but pretty interesting. So they had to, I don't know what the currency exchange is, but you know, I think he ended up getting like several or John Carpenter ended up getting several hundred thousands of dollars for, 
uh, winning the case. But fascinating, you know. Um, what do you think about that? I think it sounds like it probably was um, influenced by, you know, because there is a whole subgenre in in the early two thousands called mockbusters, where you know there'd be like movies in, in blockbuster called Transmorphers. <laughs> I was just gonna say that Alien vs. Yeah. Hunter, you know. Where it's like clearly, you know, they're ripping this off. But at the same time, there is kind of a fine line where it's like, you know, the president's been kidnapped. I mean, he could have sued bad dudes, the video game, you know, because it was the president has been kidnapped by ninjas, you know. Well, and, and, you know, could and have... it, it, it is that fine line, though, where like this could have been derived from natural sources. But there are instances, and I guess you would have to see the movie, you know, because it's like you read the plot and it's like, okay, that sounds like Escape from New York. But if you see the film, maybe it was um, aping the style of it and the it's, shots were I, the same I, I, I and things it. like that. It, I watched it. It's because <laughs> okay. uh, uh, it's on Netflix now. As a, it was like, oh, here's a new movie you'd like. I'm like, fascinating. I just read a really long article about this prosecution. <laughs> so I watched it. It's remarkably similar. Uh, you know. Yeah, because um, yeah, there's a movie. Like, Italy was infamous for this in the 70s and, and 80s, where uh, there's a movie called uh, Terminator 2 Shocking Dark that was not Terminator 2. Like Terminator Two hadn't come out yet. It's like, oh we're, wow, we're just gonna make a movie called Terminator Two because it hasn't come out yet. And but it was a ripoff of of Aliens. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> I mean it is an amazing ripoff of like we saw we bought the print to this movie so we could study how to rip it off from things <laughs> out of the dollar store. Um, oh my god <laughs> yeah you should check it you should try and track that down i'll see if i can find it for you on on the streaming services because well okay it, it is this... like holy crap but um you i don't know, know if th it there could... are there definitely are things where you know underworld tried to sue a video game company uh, for, I, I think it was a video game like Vampire Bloodlines because it's like, well, you're doing a thing with vampires versus werewolves and we have vampires versus werewolves. And it's just like, shut up, shut, shut the fuck up. Neither of you invented either of those things. This is something that could be derived from natural sources. And it clearly was. Neither of you deserve to walk away a winner from, from this. You know? <laughs> right. Um, this sounds like maybe it could have been. You know, I, I haven't seen the movie, but it, if it's clearly iterative and aping that style, then I, you know, there is a case to be made for that. And certainly Terminator 2 Shocking Dark had no business <laughs> getting away with what it did. But, you know, international copyright laws might have had something to do with that. I, I don't know. Um, yeah, the... Uh... Um, the judge who sided with Carpenter, uh, brought up those things where it's like, this is, 
isn't really derivative, you know, and I had read this article before I had seen the movie, obviously. Uh, so I'm like, well, that's, you know, and then I, I ended up like watching the movie because like what the judge says is like you could tr- his responses, although articulate, were also kind of vague where it was like, yeah, but like, are you seeing parallels that are there that aren't there? Like, do you have, like, a kind of confirmation bias going on? Right, right. Then I watched the movie, and it's like, oh, no. (laughs) Like, they just like, oh, we have the script from Escape from New York. You know, we'll just change two things, and it's a brand new movie. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Like, that's basically what happened. You know, it's in space. (laughs) Yeah, it's in space. Escape from space. The president's daughter, you know, uh, instead of the president. You know, um, even to the fact that Guy Pierce takes a shuttle into the prison, right? Like Snake glided into the city, right? Like, it's like, this almost has the same beat when you're watching it as Escape from New York, you know? Uh, so, kind of like a disgraced soldier, all of that, uh, it's surprising. Uh, and then, you know, he, seeing the similarities. He a credit union, not a bank. It's it's a totally <laughs> different story. Right. Uh, I'm kind of surprised that John Carpenter didn't get more money after seeing the movie, even though, like, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars isn't bad by any means. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I'm pretty sure that he could have gotten more, possibly, maybe, you know, Um but yeah, pretty fascinating. Uh, but that's the first time that I've ever heard of uh, a court case like that actually um, uh, siding with the prosecution, you know, because uh, there's copyright infringement all the time, you know, in music, other movies, or at least cases that claim there are copyright infringement or right, copyright like, infringement like that is happening. Like heaven lawsuit that went on forever. Yeah, and then like... Um, you know, there was a lawsuit against um, Tom Petty and um, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers for Danny California, which the it sounds remarkably similar to Mary Jane's Last Dance, you know, uh, as far as the guitars go. Um, I don't remember who, who won over that one, but, you know, it's, it, it's a, a constant thing that keeps happening. But um, anyways, yeah, I just thought it was fascinating. Thought I'd bring that up. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I, no, I, it's, you know, the, the thing with music and jingles gets so, you know, it, at some point someone's just going to be like, you know, I own the scale of C. <laughs> Fight me. <laughs> right. You know, there's only so much of that shit you can do. I mean, it's music to me is stickier than movies, at least at this point, because there's so much more out there and and so much more that you can do with it whereas there's only so many notes on a scale and it's the same sort of thing but you know words and actions and tone and style you can take the same movie premise and two writers can would come up with two completely different scripts if they were in fact you know trying to do so but uh, I don't know. Music's a little different, a little more, a little bit more of a sticky question. So that's why I was kind of, you know, chortling over the. Uh... 
I own this scale, fight me, because that, that's basically <laughs> right. what it is, you know. He played that right. in, in diminished E minor, and I did this too. <laughs> okay. What else are you supposed to do, you know? Sue every middle school band in America? Coming right. soon, you know, who knows? But uh, not not to sound like I'm not on the side of, you know, people fighting for their art and because I'm not, you know, like there's definitely people that rip stuff off and that's that's wrong. That's totally wrong. Um, no, uh, so not fin final thoughts one way or the other. <laughs> OK, uh, so the, final thought. The, the guns what? were dumb. The futuristic gun guns were not futuristic. They were dumb. Um <laughs> I like their. Uh, I I really, I really enjoy seeing the '80s version of advanced technology. You know, like snakes kind of wearing like a a smartwatch. You know, which right. must have felt really science fictiony at the time, even though it's the size of a brick. I'm wearing one right now. Like I could put that timer on my wrist. <laughs> right. on, on, on my Motorola 360 watch. On top of my, you know, golden eye watch screen setting while it's counting my footsteps. Um, right. But uh, Donald Pleasance was fun, you know, despicable, but he hit the right notes in that because he's a good actor and he was given something to do. Um, Kurt Russell is just great in everything. I, I wish he was in more stuff. Uh, Here's the thing about Kurt Russell that I've noticed. Uh, through his career it just seems like every like he'll have like a spree of really good movies and then he just kind of fades away for a little bit and then it's like yeah i kind of want to do movies again and then has like 10 or so movies where you're like wow that was pretty sweet and then goes away for a little bit you know uh you know like this movie the thing um then you have like overboard which is okay you know then he went away and then he's in Tombstone, you know, and it's just like, OK. And then, you know, Hateful Eight, uh, he was ego in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, you know, Bone Tomahawk was OK. And then you have like Miracle, you know, he's been. Yeah, oh I enjoy God. watching. He him. was so good in Miracle. Yeah. Miracle was so fun that I don't like sports I don't like sports movies. I loved Miracle. <laughs> like I I played hockey. You know, even though I just said I don't like sports. I played hockey in <laughs> high school. Um that's the one sport I like. And uh he was so cool in Miracle. He he, he was a great co coach and that was just like good dialogue and all that stuff. It, yeah. That, that was kind of the complete package. And and it was like uh unambiguous america you know as the good guys and you know these are kind of the bad guys things which you know th those lines kind of get blurred nowadays but they they certainly didn't feel that way in the 80s so it was definitely a kind of a perfect snapshot in time and it just has that disney signature over the top of it because disney right. did, did produce that movie Yep. Um, and and they got uh not bob costas um he's from abc sports I'm blanking on his name, but but they got that announcer back for the Do You Believe in Miracles line to oh, record cool. that because that was like just lost and shitty quality because 
you know, they, they were recording on stone tablets back in the 1970s <laughs> because that was the technology, you know. But yeah, Miracle is great. Kurt Russell's fun. He must just do movies that he wants to do, you know, whether they're good or bad. He's in the driver's seat of his career. So, yeah, that, I that, think that is my 100%. counterpoint to that. A hundred percent. I think he has the same mentality as uh, Samuel L. Jackson, where it's just like, that sounds like something I'd want to do. Right. Like it's not necess- like his roles aren't necessarily strategic moves. Right. It's just that's what he wants to do. You know? Yeah. Uh, I think they share that uh, that in common, you know. Yeah. And, you know, and even in, in, in smaller stuff, like... Deep Blue Sea Star his... Wars? Yeah, yeah, let's do, let's do that. Snakes <laughs> well, on a plane, okay. sure. <laughs> well, okay, but Pulp Fiction to, you know, uh, Deep Blue Sea to Snakes on a Plane, you know? It's like, All of what those would here? have been fun to make, every single one of those. For sure, but for a normal person, it probably would have killed their career. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like... He's just that what? level of high-powered mutant that it's just <laughs> right. What is it? Uh, too too uh, weird to live, but too rare to die. That's that's the quote. Yep. Fear and loathing. Um, yeah. Uh, I like this movie a lot. It's it's grown on me, but it's not my favorite Carpenter movie. You know, uh, it stands out in that it's not a horror film. Right, for sure. Like it really stands um, apart, and and the only other movie you could kind of put in that category is Ghosts of Mars, which even that kind of tries to be a horror film, and it, like it it doesn't really succeed at anything, unfortunately. No, it doesn't. Uh, man, it's just I have not seen that movie in ages, and that kind of like put. That was kind of like the end of Carpenter's career, unfortunately, as far as like a big name director, right? Like that was it. There wasn't much beyond that, you know, because it was like Vampires was just before that, mm-hmm. and then Ghosts of Mars, and then he had that. He had a movie that came out in like mid, like two thousand five, two thousand six, I think, somewhere around there. What was that called? I don't remember now. But also, like, a lot of his movies were done with Dean Coondy, right? So they all have that certain flavor to it. They all look very similar because of what Dean was able to do. Well, well, this one didn't. This was uh, Joseph Alves. Uh, I'm probably saying that name wrong, but he was one of the directors of photography on Jaws. Oh, wow. Maybe that's also why this one looks a little different. Because, like, Dean Coondy was, like, Halloween, The Thing... The Fog. Uh, what other ones? I mean, of Carpenter's stuff. I know he did, like, Back to the Future trilogy, uh, yeah, yeah. Jurassic Park. Right, because um, Spielberg and Zemeckis poached him after Halloween 2, I think. Because he he turned down a better movie to do Halloween 2. And I think Halloween 2 is much more watchable for it because it looks like uh, just a, a wonderful companion piece. Say what you will about the story and the tone and, you know, all that stuff. It's just it looks like the first movie. So it it's kind of like seeing the less attractive sister of a girl you, you, you were really in love with. <laughs> you know, it's like, you okay. know, it, it's kind of there, but the magic's not quite the same. Right. 
I enjoy uh, Halloween 2 a lot. I've probably seen it just as much as the first one. I don't understand what the hate is necessarily on Halloween 2. I love it, you know? Ah, whatever. That's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I still go back to this movie. I still really enjoy it. I think it's fun. But yeah, there's something for me personally. There's something missing in it for me. You know, there's something missing. Doesn't have as much magic as some of other Carpenter movies. Please don't yell at me, Internet. It's just my opinion. <laughs> I know he, everyone loves this movie. So. But anyways, before we wrap this up, is there anything you want to add, talk about, discuss? Whatever. No, I, I, I think I'm good. Um, you know, you, you can check out some of the films I've made on YouTube and uh, criticize those. <laughs> um, um, you, you can find me at Bombastic Entertainment on YouTube and Instagram and the Twitters and all that good stuff. So uh, find, find me there and uh, check out some of that stuff. We don't have money. <laughs> we try. <laughs> we try. We really do. To make a lot out of nothing and uh, nobody gets paid anything and it's all just a 100% passion project because people are always excited about the thing and the project and getting to do cool stuff and make cool movies and uh, you know that's that's where that's at how, how about you what do you got uh, just that uh, if you want to see what I'm working on a lot of the stuff that I do you know is uh, based on the movies that we're talking about or that we have talked about you know so uh, and you can see what I'm working on, illustrations, designs, whatever, just on my website, mpapler.com, and that's got links to all my social media. That's that's about it, you know? Just, if you want to check out this stuff, go right ahead. So, that's where you can find me. And cool. on a side note, I gotta work on being less awkward. So. Good luck with that? What, <laughs> what, what do you... What, I what just feel like... Up? I just feel like there are times when I can make uh, put myself into an awkward situation that doesn't need to be awkward at all. You know, I just I, I think I have an innate ability to make things awkward. That's all. If that was I a think mutant a ability, it would be um, one of the crummier ones. Uh, it, it'd I, be like it'd be like Forge with his ability to just make shit. <laughs> no, no, no. And, this is what would happen. And this is what would happen, <laughs> right? So you know, in like uh, X X Men Three, you know, mm, where mm. it's like uh, Magneto's posse is behind him. He's got all the other mutants, and you know, he sends them forward to fight the X Men, but then holds holds uh, Pyro back and is like, "You let the pawns go first. Okay, I, I would be one of the pawns. That's that's how that would work. That's, I wouldn't that's probably be true. Yeah, I wouldn't be Pyro <laughs> or Magneto. I'd be the guy. that's like, let's get him. And then, you right. know, I get like a, a claw to the throat from and, Wolverine. And, 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 and but it would be awkward first. Right. Like, I, I, no, no, no. This is how it would play out. <laughs> right. I would be running towards Wolverine like I'm going to kick some ass and I would trip. And he's just standing still with his claws out. Right. And I would trip and implant my forehead onto his claw. He wouldn't actually have been attacking me. I would have, you know, 
killed myself on his claw. That's what would have happened. Right, right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, with that, farewell. farewell Dark, darkest timeline. Darkest timeline. Darkest timeline. Oh, that's from Community. I still haven't watched it yet. I still haven't watched it. That's fine. You will. You'll get that joke someday. One day. One can dream. (laughs) A man can dream. All right. Well, everyone, until next time, we are out of here. Take care, everyone. Later. See you next time.